0: This is the black and blue report presented by ABC insurance agencies, a better choice for insurance now from studio B or wherever the saints or Pelicans might be. Here's Sean Kelly.
1: Good Monday to you. Welcome into the black and blue report, the podcast for saints and Pelicans fans always presented by ABC insurance agencies. I'm Sean Kelly. And so glad that you're joining us today inside Studio B on Airline Drive, right here at the headquarters of the Saints and the Pelicans. Uh, It's a Monday, and it's a Monday after a loss. And I know that stinks a little bit. 16-13 was the final score yesterday at MetLife Stadium. The Saints are now 0-2, and we're going to talk today extensively about that football game. And uh, on the basketball side, I will let you know that uh, uh, it really starts cranking up this week. How about that? Daniel Sallerson and I will be off to uh, New York for NBA broadcast meetings. That's one sign that we're getting close. And then on Friday, it's uh, Pelicans Media Day, which means the start of training camp. Here we go. It may seem, you may say to yourself, oh man, that seems a little early. It's because of the China trip and the fact that your first preseason game is on October the 1st. Um, I'm not complaining about that. We just get things a little bit sooner, and I'm, I'm eager to see. Uh, what the Pelicans look like here, even with Drew Holiday's situation, even with still some question marks with guys coming back from injuries uh, of last season, uh, there's a certain air in that building over there that uh, it's different. So I'm excited that this week really we're kind of cranking things up. Okay, let's talk football today primarily, though. We're going to hear from John DeShazier, uh, senior writer for NewOrleansSaints.com. He was with the team yesterday and he will offer his uh, Monday morning thoughts. Had a chance this morning to visit with Saints tight end Kobe Fleener about yesterday's game, and now what happens after the 0-2 start. We'll talk to Fleener during today's show, and then a couple of comments from Saints head coach Sean Payton, uh, three in particular from his conference call with the media midday today, and uh, I want to wrap up the show with that, hey, a couple. You know, you've already read a ton about yesterday's game. There are a couple notes here that uh, you may not have come across. Uh, we get them from Saints PR. Uh, usually, usually pretty quick after the game on Sunday. They're for sure in my hands on Monday morning. But uh, I thought there were a couple things that stuck out. Uh, number one, quarterback Drew Brees, as you know, yesterday passed Dan Marino for third most passing yards all time. Uh, what you may not have realized is that. Breeze has now not thrown an interception in six consecutive games dating back to last season. Uh, And I want to say, let me see here. I want to make sure I've got this right. Uh, Has not thrown an interception in the last six games. And that, yes, it matches the Saints franchise record. So he has a chance to break that record on Monday night, uh, fittingly against the uh, Atlanta Falcons. Aaron Brooks, by the way, also went six games without throwing an interception. That was back during the 03 uh, season. Breeze uh, has also not thrown an interception in a career-best tw- 268 consecutive attempts. That's the longest current streak in the NFL, uh, and that surpasses a previous career-best of 232 consecutive attempts during the 2011 season. Willie Snead caught a touchdown pass yesterday. It's the first time in his career that he, he's had back-to-back games Uh, with a touchdown, obviously now here in his uh, second full season of work. Uh, Michael uh, Thomas had four catches yesterday for 56 yards with a long catch of 23 as he continues to be more involved with the Saints' offense during his rookie season. The Saints' defense yesterday forced three turnovers in the first half, and they do that for the first time since doing so against the Colts in the first half of a game on October 25th of last season, and uh, and we talked about rush defense back in the preseason and dating back to last year. Yesterday, the Saints defense held the Giants to just two yards per carry over their 32 attempts. Again, pretty good day for the defense, uh, that's for sure. Uh, the 16 points allowed uh, to the Giants yesterday, which did not include a Giants offensive touchdown. The last time the Saints defense did not allow a touchdown on offense came in a 20-9 to win over the Vikings back on September the 21st, 2014. Uh, there were a couple of guys with notable, um, I guess, career marks as far as games played, one of which is Jari Evans, and I note this because he is now only trailing Stan Brock for most games played uh, by an offensive lineman in the black and gold. Uh, yesterday was Jari's 155th career game as a Saint. 10th uh, all-time on the franchise list as far as games played overall uh, just a couple of notes from yesterday thought I'd pass those along I thought those were interesting some weeks there are more um, notes of notes uh, than others a couple of those stuck out uh, stuck out rather especially the Bree stuff about um, having not thrown a pick now during that stretch and I knock on wood and you should too as you hear that <laughs> because we want that certainly to continue Okay, 16 to 13, the final yesterday. We're going to talk about it extensively with uh, three different folks, starting next here with our own John DeShazer.
2: We all know Saints fans are humble, hardworking, likable, and the most devoted fans in the league. All of that takes energy, the energy you get from a warm bowl of Campbell's Chunky Soup. Its meaty goodness fuels the greatness of Saints fans everywhere. Try the delicious Chunky Chicken and Sausage Gumbo. Just visit your local supermarket and ask for Campbell's Chunky Soup, the hearty way to fuel your game, and the official soup of the New Orleans Saints
1: fans on Saturday, October 1st, cheer on your Pelicans as they play their first preseason game of the season against the Dallas Mavericks at the CenturyLink Center in Bozier City. Ticket prices start at just $15 and can be purchased from the CenturyLink Center box office, www.ticketmaster.com by phone at 800-745-3000 or at any authorized Ticketmaster outlet. For more, be sure to visit shreveport bozierorg or call 888-45-VISIT. Got a long day ahead? Power on with
0: Smoothie King's new coffee high protein smoothies. It's a nutritious breakfast blended to shift your morning into high gear with delightfully smooth cold brewed coffee for your mind and at least 30 grams of protein for your body. Try all four energizing flavors. Vanilla, almond mocha, raspberry mocha and cinnamon latte and power on your day. New coffee high protein smoothies. Coffee for your mind and protein for your body. Only at Smoothie King.
2: Smoothies with a purpose.
0: Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Here's Sean Kelly and John DeShazer.
1: Our own John DeShazer from NewOrleansSaints.com is back from New Jersey. And uh, the Saints returned home last night. Was on that flight after the, uh, the loss to the New York Giants yesterday. Sorry about the result, my friend. It was a whale of a game, though. My goodness.
3: Yeah, it was about, uh, well, defensively as well as the Saints have played. Two three years I would imagine um, when you're talking about top to bottom and yeah the late field goal puts a, a little bit of a, a mark on it but uh but in terms of everything you want to do the way you draw up the plan and actually execute it I think Dennis Allen probably is pretty pretty pleased with with how his guys play you're not pleased with the result obviously and in the grand scheme you wish you pitch a, a shutout you know that's you know sometimes you need a shutout but That's hard to do in the NFL nowadays. Uh, Three field goals allowed from a unit that had had 35 points scored on it in the season opener uh, was pretty, pretty outstanding, uh, all things considered. And and when you consider the caliber of of opponent they're going against, Eli Manning, with that receiving core, um, they did exactly what they wanted to do. They wanted them to throw it underneath. They wanted to tackle them, get them on the ground when they made the receptions, and they did that. And eventually, you know, if you get enough plays, and even though the offense is on the field – you get enough plays in defensively, either they're going to make a mistake or you're going to force them to make a mistake. And the Saints were able to force three turnovers yesterday, three fumbles. So you know, all in all, a really nice day by the defense. And unfortunately, the offense came up short. I mean, you don't expect the Saints to score 13 points against any opponent, much less uh, the Giants, you know, if you're going to base it on what happened last year. But, of course, you can't base it on what happened last year. But still, what the Saints did in the season opener, scoring 34 against Oakland with 500 yards of offense, you expected a little bit more offensively, and uh, it just turned into a defensive slugfest. And and the last team standing uh, turned out to be the Giants.
1: Yeah, um, I stopped counting the number of players who said we just didn't do enough to finish. Uh, that was clear, obviously, and that was a unified message coming out of that postgame locker room. Uh, the other message was that that the Saints were are just a couple of plays away from being two and zero. And couple, I mean, like two, maybe three. That's a razor's edge to play on for a young team, J.D.
3: And that's probably the way it's going to be this season. But, hey, this, this is the big leagues, and that's what it is. I mean, 0-2, 2-0, and and you know, that's, that's the fine line between winning and losing. And, and um, you know, sometimes you can't be perfect, but you got to be perfect at the right moments. And uh, they weren't perfect at the right moments, offensively or defensively, or, and, and particularly special teams, too. Uh, so, you know, when you factor all that in, the margin of error that the Saints are working with is just slim, and it's too slim to have a blocked field goal return for a touchdown. Uh, it's too slim for, unfortunately, Ken Crawley to not come up with that interception against Victor Cruz late in the game. Uh, it's too slim for them to not be able to, to score a touchdown when they've got it first and 10 from the Giants' 25 and that's the drive that resulted in the block field goal for a touchdown. It's just, not, it's just not significant enough for them to be able to overcome those kinds of little
1: things because they add up. So is it uh, – I don't know how to phrase this. Is it just a couple of little things, or is there something much bigger out there for this football team that – that has to get turned around right
3: quick. No, I think, I think it's little things. I mean, really, it, it's just a, a fine line. I mean, we're talking about, you know, two losses by a grand total of four points. And so it's a pretty fine line. Now, did Oakland play, you know, lights out? No. Did the Giants play lights out? No. But you'd like to believe the Saints had a little something to do with that uh, defensively. Defensively against the, against the Raiders, they were pretty good for three quarters. And then, you know, the floodgates opened in the fourth quarter and the Raiders scored 22 uh, yesterday against the Giants, they're really good the entire game, except if you're going to nitpick and yeah, you got to a couple of plays here and there. Uh, a long completion, the last long completion of Victor Cruz. Uh, Crawley unfortunately uh, is not able to get that ball on the ground or get it in his hands and, and you know how it got between, how it got out of his hands, it, it befuddles me even as I think about it and reflect on it. But, I mean, those are the fine line things that are going to be, you know, be with this team all year. There probably aren't going to be any, you know, 35 to 17 type games. You know, that's not the, the Saints this year, and that's pretty much not the NFL now. Uh, it's built for teams to play close and a lot of parity, and they're in that, they're in that you know, situation where they're playing close games, and they simply have to figure out a way to eliminate those kinds of plays in those kinds of situations. Again, everything, all in all, if you, if you put everything in the, in the basket yesterday, you know, it basically turns out to be a blocked field goal return for a touchdown. And in that situation, you're thinking when the Saints take possession of that ball, okay, they're going to score here. Now it's just a matter of how many. And instead, it's a 10-point swing from three for you to seven for them. And that's huge in a game that's that close.
1: I'm just playing all sides here. Okay, let's say that kick does not get blocked. Say Lutz sticks the thing through. You put three on the board there. The bottom line is the last drive of the game for the Giants. They were in a position at the one or the two yard line yeah, to punch they the thing knee, in. They, they Instead, they take a knee. You know, so they could have scored their seven yeah, there. And I mean, and it's all ifs and buts. I mean, because you don't know
3: how the <laughs> momentum is going to shift from there. Because the Giants are in position at the two uh, because Ken Crawley can't come up with a pick or he can't get the ball on the ground on that and on that play, and he's. In perfect position you can't coach it better so now the guy who's the guy who's in position has to execute it and now he's just got to do what he's getting paid to do which is get the ball (laughs) and he doesn't do it so you know now does that prevent the giants from getting a a game winning field goal Uh, maybe not because there's there's still time left they still have opportunities and that's a 34 yard completion down to the two sir that the 36 so that's a 53 54 yard field goal attempt that's makeable for a kicker like Josh Brown. And even if he can't make that one, they only need seven, eight more yards to get really in comfortable range for him. So, you know, everything's kind of... Yeah, I told you, i you know, play at all angles. I mean, yeah, look, you play it all... I mean, and you, and you have to look at it from all angles. But, you know, if, if you're looking at it from the Saints perspective, you got to say, look, defensively, if they give that one up, you know, it all balances out if they get, you know, if they don't get the field goal blocked and, it, you know, if, if the Giants score the touchdown or whatever. I mean, the score it's probably going to be the same because they
1: don't make enough plays at the right time. Agreed. And the Saints defense, by the way, had what, two goal line stands earlier in the yeah, game? Yeah, two goal so line I mean, stands. You know, they, yeah, they yeah they allow a field goal in one of those
3: situations where it's first and goal from the one, and they stop them three straight down and allow field goal, and one time it's fourth and two from their three, and they get a PBU in the end zone. I think that was Sterling Moore who got was. that one. So, um, really, they, you know, all in all, it they, the defense played, it's, Rear end off. Yeah, uh, on the field for 75 plays, which is a ton of plays, and it was pretty warm and humid out there. And they held up. Had some injuries, obviously. P.J. Williams um, had had some injuries, and yet um, did exactly what they wanted to do. They let you know. I, I don't want to say they let the Giants, you know, have underneath completions, but that was the game plan. You know, if they're going to complete it, complete it underneath. Tackle the guy immediately. Get him on the ground. Make the Giants have to chip their way down the field and see what happens, see if, you know, either they make a mistake or if you can make them make a mistake.
1: So we've had two games, and we've seen the Saints have one good defensive game, one not-so-good defensive game, one good offensive game, really good offensive game, and one not-so-good offensive game. It's tough after two weeks to really see what, you know, Coach Payton always says, you know, trust your eyes and all that. I, I I I don't know what to trust after two weeks. Yeah, you always. It's still a work in progress. You know, there obviously.
3: is there is no perfect game. So, no. But what you want to see is the consistency across the board. So, you know, after the, after the first game, we're saying, you know, well, what would happen if the Saints defense played a complete game? Well, they played pretty much a complete game yesterday. Well, if they would have played a complete game in week one, the Saints yeah. would have blown it. Well, that's what up. I'm saying. I mean, you know, man, that's what we were saying after week one. You know, what would happen if they, you know, if they played the fourth quarter the way they played the first three? They did pretty good, you know, only yeah. about. 13 points in the first three. What if they have carried it over to the fourth? So, okay, what would happen? Well, yesterday is what would happen. They played a pretty complete game through the fourth quarter, and then the offense goes in, inconsistent on them. And, you know, maybe some of that's got to do, you know, let's not, you know, knock the Giants. They played a pretty good defensive game. But still, this Saints offense, we're not accustomed to seeing them getting 288 yards and 59 plays and not being able to score, you know, in the 20s, you know, or something. And, and – Yesterday would have been a perfect day for them to be able to do what they usually do and for the Saints to be able to get a win. So, you don't get the consistency from the offense or the special teams yesterday. So, you got one unit that really plays lights out, and you got the other two units who are extremely shaky. Well, the, one, the field goal kicking. Yeah, I was going to say is, step is, is, was yeah, awesome. More, yeah, Morstead was the man, <laughs> as, as he usually yes. is. But the field goal kicking is shaky yeah. on that one. And so, now – it's going back to it's saying, Okay, well can all three units play consistent in the same game? You know, what will happen then? We hadn't seen that yet.
1: Third down was just I mean you wanna talk about one thing that's been picked apart here for the last twenty four hours? Rightfully so. That third down number tells you so much. Look, the first five possessions all resulted in a punt. Yeah. Because of the third down problems, what was it? three of thirteen? Is that right? Three of thirteen, yeah.
3: and a, and a lot of that is you know getting you know as they like to say behind the sticks. You get a penalty, and all of a sudden it's now instead of first and ten, it's first and fifteen, or first and twenty. Um, on the when they you know Michael Morty Michael Marty gets the sack strip, Paul Kruger re- recovers at the Giants twenty five. First play from there, Brandon Coleman gets an offensive pass interference. So now you're first and twenty instead of first and ten now it changes the situation completely because there ain't a whole lot of first and twenties in the, in the call book. (laughs) So now you got to see if you can, you know, if you can whittle it down and when you can't, you end up going for the field goal that ends up getting blocked. But I think a lot of those third down situations were just that where, you know, they got behind the sticks and admittedly from Drew Brees, look, he was not comfortable with some of those third down pressures that the Giants sent at him. He was not, you know, he did, he did not do well in them. And so, you know, if you can't do that and you don't sustain drives, well, what happens? Your defense is on the field a ton, which the Saints' defense was. Your offense didn't score because it can't
1: sustain anything, which the Saints didn't, and you come up on the short end. Very good. A couple of quick storylines as we begin the new week. Obviously, it's an extended week of Monday Night Football, but obviously you mentioned P.J. Williams, uh, Zach Streif who left the game yesterday with a chest injury. Is yeah, that correct? Chest injury. Uh, Senio Calamete filled in for him.
3: Uh, we don't know exactly whether or not that's going to be, you know, the situation this week. Um, you know, Zach is one of those guys who, if he can walk, he generally plays. So, we'll see how that goes. But if he is ineffective, then maybe the Saints are going to have to do something uh, with, with that offensive line in terms of getting a tackle. Maybe you'll, you know, I guess you can throw out the name Tony Hills. Maybe Tony Hills comes back because he can play both tackle positions. Or maybe you end up with Kalamete. Uh, the, the thing is, you know, there are no, um, there are no um, all-pro, Pro Bowl type guys on the street. So you got to get what's <laughs> out there, <laughs> or you got to live with what's on your roster. So you know, there's going to have to be some adjustments made there. And um, Sterling Moore gets his first start yesterday. Holds up pretty well. Um, And then unfortunately, PJ Williams goes down. So, you know, that's going to leave it up to either Ken Crawley or Devontae Harris or BW Webb. He joined a team last week or someone in, in that vein to go in for PJ Williams because, again, you know, the guys on the street, you know, unless there was a Cortland Finnegan, and you, if you liked him enough, he'd already be here. Yeah. But you bring him in an emergency situation if P.J. Williams is going to be out for an extended period of time.
1: We saw that three safety look a little bit yesterday with Von Bell out there. Von Bell looked good. Yeah, okay. Vaughn Bell, so Bell looked good. Maybe more of that. Yeah, Vaughn Especially Bell. Especially against good. a Matt Ryan type offense. That yeah. might be worth well, keeping And, I, an I, eye and on. I think a lot of
3: it, you know, the, the, the Giants spread you out. They go a little bit, no huddle, not really fast tempo, but, you know, uh, enough. And that can, you know, dictate – you know, what you have on the field defensively. A lot of people were, you know, tweeting yesterday, you know, where's Stephon Anthony? Well, in that type of game, that's not a Stephon Anthony type game. If you got to spread people out and you got to cover people, you know, that's really not, you know, his strength. His strength is in in run defense. Mm -hmm. And, look, they held the Giants to 64 yards on 32 carries. So, they didn't need Steph a whole lot yesterday. So, you know, of all the things to nitpick about, that ain't one of them. From yesterday, uh, the run defense was stout, and that's not one of Steph's strength. Is to be out in space covering guys. So you know they'll get in some situations where he'll his strengths will be more readily used against the opposition. But you know you got to remember one, he's still learning a new position, and two, if teams are going to spread you out, that's not necessarily his
1: strength. All right, could be a uh, not fun. Be an interesting week with the extra day. The The extra
3: day, the Katrina anniversary from the Dome reopening, uh, the Dome reopening anniversary rather. So it'll be somewhat festive, I would imagine. Uh, A lot of memories going into uh, that Monday night game because that was the first game they played in the Dome reopening against the same opponent, the Falcons. And, uh, of course, you know, with the the Gleason block and all the hoopla that went around the game and all the emotion that went into the game. Saw some pictures of it. I I remember um, fullback uh, Mike Carney. Uh, who was just essentially weeping on the bench, and uh, you know when they're playing the uh, anthem and, and those kinds of things? I, remember, I mean, looking around the, the press box, I mean it's a vivid memory. I mean, you know, hardened, crusty uh, journalists. You who know, complain about everything. Who complain about everything, <laughs> guys? You know, guys with tear-eyed, grown men who who are as jaded a pack of people, as you will find on the face of the <laughs> earth. <laughs> but uh, but uh, it was an extremely uh, emotional moment. And so, um, you know, to, to relive some of that this coming week, I'm sure, you know, the memories will be stirred by for a lot of people.
1: Yeah. A uh, big documentary coming up later uh, this week as well. We're going to start talking about that uh, a little bit later here in this Monday edition of the Black and Blue Report. Still to come, though, we've got to take you inside the Saints locker room. It's kind of the Monday uh, Monday Monday morning quarterbacking reflection period in the locker room. We'll show you a, a couple thoughts from that and head coach Sean Payton too, stay with us. Gatorade, for athletes
2: who move the game forward, we're creating the fuel to do the same. Innovating beyond hydration to create the future of sports fuel. Fueling today, fueling the future. Take flight with your New Orleans Pelicans and host your birthday party, corporate event, or a holiday party in a Pelicans luxury suite. No matter who you're entertaining, let the Pelicans take the hassle out of finding a venue and planning world-class entertainment. Luxury suites are available now for the games throughout the Pelican season, giving you great seats to see the biggest stars in the NBA. For more information and to book your luxury suite night, call 525-HOOP or visit pelicans.com today.
0: We're talking Saints football on the Black and Blue Report.
1: Saints tight end Kobe Fleener continues our conversation about yesterday's ball game at MetLife Stadium. Um, I can't imagine that that flight home was much fun after the way the thing turned out.
6: No, I mean it, it's always challenging to lose a game, but uh, when you lose two games in a row, that seem to come down to the last second. Um, it's just it's a tough, tough thing, but it's also encouraging to know that, um, you know, this team has a lot of fight in it, and uh, hopefully we can kind of use that going forward.
1: It shouldn't surprise anybody that follows this league that these games are seemingly played on a razor's edge these days.
6: Yeah, it seems that way in the, the whole NFL, mm-hmm. um, which is probably great for TV ratings, but <laughs> uh, uh, makes for uh, close losses for, for teams and close wins for others.
1: Does that make, like yesterday the game starts, I think, Uh, You get the ball punt. You get the ball five times. And then because you know that that can happen, it could come down to something like that, does frustration start to build in? Can you help me understand what that feels like at that moment?
6: Um, There are certain plays that frustrate you, but you try to forget about them and move on. Um, So you try not to let it build to that. But we understood that um, the defense was doing an outstanding job uh, holding the Giants, and and we had to do our part to try to – you know, score more points than them, and unfortunately, we weren't able to do that.
1: You're going to watch the film a little bit later, you know, past our conversation. But if you, if you think back to the way you felt yesterday, and even maybe even this morning, thinking about it, after having that ball move for you guys in week one, what what do you think kept it from moving that successfully here
6: in week two? Um, I don't know. I mean, I think you credit the the Giants' defense for doing an outstanding job. Um, I also think that I know from A personal perspective, there are a few plays that I'd like to have back that, you know, it was just uh, a case of kind of one guy here, one guy there, and and you need all 11 players on the same page to be successful. And so uh, more than once I was that one guy and uh, would love to have those plays back, but hopefully we learn and move on.
1: You say you want those plays back. At at least it seemed like yesterday you were heavily involved in the plan. Um, I I don't remember how many targets it was, but, you know, they're looking – at you now or they're looking for you now a little bit more as another dimension to that offense.
6: Yeah, I mean, hopefully I can um, kind of continually increase that and and be more productive and um, take some pressure off of Drew and and the wide receivers and and our running game. Um, You know, I'm just trying to uh, play whatever role I can. Tell me what this week will be like
1: in that you had a good week offensively then a not-so-good week offensively, you guys collectively as a group. So how do you reset or how do you start the, the week all over again?
6: Well, hopefully we can kind of compare the two weeks and see, okay, what went well, what didn't go well, um, and, and move from there.
1: The week is a little different with Monday Night Football. You've been through this before. Um, does it help in this circumstance to have the quote-unquote extra day or do you almost want to get back out there as soon as humanly possible?
6: Um, I don't know. I mean, I think it'll be nice to have uh, an extra day of practice, an extra day to kind of game plan. Uh, but at the same time, I think uh, the Saints have a bad taste in their mouth and would love to get out on the field as soon as possible.
1: Kobe, you got a lot of young guys in this locker room. They'll, The fans will hear stuff this le- week about we've got to turn off the noise and, and uh, we have to be resilient and all those things. Uh, sometimes that's not so easy to do. Uh, how will you coach them up on – Hey, look, it's two games. I know everybody's going to say the sky is falling at zero and two. What can you tell them that sounds genuine that is helpful to, I guess, avoid some of that stuff?
6: Yeah, I mean, I, I've been personally on a team that's been zero and two and gone to the playoffs. Um, but I think if if you look at how close these games have been, and we've been on the unfortunate side of both of them, um, you know, we're we're in these games. It's not like we are getting blown out, um, and so I think. There's, there's a good team in there. We just need to learn how to win these close games and learn how to fight through it. Here's to
1: a great week. Thanks.
6: Thank you very much. Don't want to
5: miss out on any of the action? Get connected with your New Orleans Pelicans 24-7, 365. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for exclusive prizes and giveaways. Plus get text with all the latest breaking news right on your phone with Pelican mobile alerts. Visit pelicans.com for information on these great features. Plus sign up for Pelicans Insider with weekly updates from the Pelicans. Join the conversation today. We
2: all know Saints fans are humble, hardworking, likable, and the most devoted fans in the league. All of that takes energy. The energy you get from a warm bowl of Campbell's Chunky Soup. Its meaty goodness fuels the greatness of Saints fans everywhere. Try the delicious Chunky Chicken and Sausage Gumbo. Just visit your local Winn-Dixie and ask for Campbell's Chunky Soup. The hearty way to fuel your game. And the official soup of the New Orleans Saints. Gatorade, for athletes who move the game forward, we're creating the fuel to do the same. Innovating beyond hydration to create the future of sports fuel. Fueling today, fueling the future.
0: Pelicans.com and OrleansSaints.com. your first stop when following your teams.
1: Hey, we've got a couple of things to cover here in our fourth and final segment of today's Black and Blue Report. First up, Saints head coach Sean Payton to offer a couple more thoughts about yesterday's football game. He had a uh, media conference call at noon on this Monday. The, the first thing that was addressed uh, was probably one of the big, biggest plays of the game, the, the blocked field goal, the swing play that some have described as a 10-point swing. Uh, you don't get three, they get seven off of it. Uh, as Jenkins uh, picked up that blocked field goal and went all the way to the other end to score uh, the Giants' lone touchdown of the game. Uh, yesterday, head coach Sean Payton talked about a B-gap breakdown on that play. He expanded on that today.
5: B-gap pressure, and we're not good at right guard. We're not good at right tackle. Too much penetration on that on that play. And, uh, you know, he, he ends up with uh, basically leveraging the B-gap and, and you know, uh, an outside hand knocking the ball down you know and it was penetration we got to be we got to be better in our protection
1: coach Payton was also asked today about uh, a goal that was clearly stated at the start of training camp the need to have a fast start to the season have some early success in the four weeks the four games prior to the bye obviously you're in a hole now at 0-2 and, 2, and uh, coach Payton talked about what that means in the grand scheme of things and what that conversation's probably like right now with this football team
5: well look the th- there's only there's only one way to work yourself out of it, and it's it's coming back and, and, and having a better week of preparation. Uh, I was encouraged with a lot of things that I saw on tape, and yet discouraged in some areas. Uh, and I think these days, after here, uh, we've got to be brutally honest with ourselves, not only just the players, but the coaches as well. And we've got to be better. Uh, I think. Look, I, I it's it's not gloom and doom, but it's these are when you play in a game like that, The you know, one week it's a high scoring game. The next week it's an entirely different game. Uh, you know, that field position, the mistakes made on your side or on their side of the field can can be uh, significant. And for us to get three turnovers defensively was huge. Uh, offensively, I thought we were very poor on third down and and that hurt us. That cost us. We end up with just 13 rushing attempts, which is too few. Uh, And uh, I I, I think that there are a lot of things offensively that we have to do better.
1: The other comment that I wanted to bring about uh, from Coach Payton's conference call today was an update on P.J. Williams. Uh, A lot of people uh, saw that yesterday, the injury uh, that resulted in a trip to the hospital. Uh, It sounds like things uh, are heading in the right direction with P.J. and uh, maybe not as serious as... As it, as it looked yesterday, or maybe maybe not as serious as, as scary as it looked yesterday when it went all down in the first half.
5: I mentioned this after the game, you know, he'll be coming back this afternoon, and um, all, all the news is positive, which is uh, real encouraging. Uh, it was just the amount of, the significance of, uh, of the hit, and I watched it in slow motion a couple times, and it's really the right knee of the tight end that, you know, as he's running and as P.J. is beginning to tackle, it hits the side of his helmet and uh, and, and causes the concussion. So uh, he'll be en route back today.
1: So good news on that. We wish P.J. certainly the best. Okay, turn the page here. One other thing that we need to cover on today's show and we'll be talking about all week long on the Black and Blue Report is the airing of this weekend's uh, documentary produced by the New Orleans Saints and the Digital Media Department. Uh, It is a one-hour documentary called The Saints Are Coming, and it's going to air this weekend uh, on a number of different outlets, specifically in New Orleans, Saturday at 5 p.m. and at 10.30 p.m. on WVUE Fox 8. Uh, It will also air on WAFB in Baton Rouge, and there is an evolving list of other Raycom stations across the Gulf South that will be airing this documentary, uh, which basically commemorates the 10-year anniversary of the return of the Mercedes-Benz Superdome after Hurricane Katrina and all the events that led up to it. It's very well done. We're looking forward to that over the air on Saturday. Check your local listings if you're outside of New Orleans and Baton Rouge. Uh, and then for everyone else, it will be available on NewOrleansSaints.com starting at 1131 p.m. on Saturday night. Obviously, this, this is perfect timing with the game against Atlanta on Monday. Uh, Doug Tatum, who is the executive producer of that documentary, will be our guest on Friday. He will tell us all the all that went into making that up. And then as we go along throughout the week, I want to share, uh, and so do the other hosts of this podcast, uh, some snippets, some sound bites from that uh, documentary uh, to kind of give you a taste of what this thing's all about. Today we're going to start with Doug Thornton, who, you know, if, if you're like me, sometimes you meet somebody or you know somebody and, and you say... Man, if that guy or that gal ever wrote a book, it'd be outstanding. Well, Doug Thornton's certainly in that category, and certainly as he runs SMG and oversees the Mercedes-Benz Superdome and the Smoothie King Center, for that matter, here in our market, um, he has plenty to tell about that moment in time or the moments in time that led up to uh, the return of the Mercedes-Benz Superdome back in 2006. Here's a little bit of what Doug Thornton shared with us for the documentary, THE SAINTS ARE COMING.
4: I KNEW IMMEDIATELY THIS WAS NOT YOUR ORDINARY HURRICANE. YOU KNOW, WE'VE BEEN THROUGH HURRICANES BEFORE, WE'VE BEEN THROUGH HURRICANES HERE AT THE SUPERDOME, WE'VE RIDDEN THEM OUT, BUT THIS WAS NOT YOUR NORMAL HURRICANE. YOU COULD JUST TELL, THE WINDS WERE MORE SEVERE um, AND THROUGHOUT THE DAY uh, THINGS BEGAN TO DETERIORATE. Um, WE WERE ACTUALLY RIGHT HERE IN THIS ROOM uh, WHEN THE ROOF STARTED TO PEEL LIKE AN ONION and we heard this loud noise uh, that we thought was um, it sounded like someone rolling a cart down the concourse but it turned out to be the roof that was being ripped apart by the wind so as we walked out we saw the gaping holes in the roof and that's when I i, I started to really get concerned and of course day two uh, when the floodwaters uh, came uh, that really made us nervous because of the impact that it could potentially have on our generator you know we almost lost our generator on the second day we had about five feet of water in poydra street and about three and a half feet of water on gerard street and uh, i guess uh, those first two days it was really dicey around here and then things just deteriorated from that point
1: all right so more of that tomorrow as a matter of fact i think we're going to get some uh, a little bit of taste of what mike tariko had to say about that night against the Falcons. That'll be on tomorrow's podcast. The Black and Blue Report on Tuesday will be hosted by Daniel Salerson. He'll talk to Jim Eichenhofer from Pelicans.com. And as always, on a Tuesday, uh Daniel and uh Jake Seely will get you kind of teed up for fantasy football week three style. Uh so Jake, Jim and then a little bit of Mike Tarico tomorrow. Hope that you'll uh, join those folks for the black and blue report. Our thanks to John DeShazer today, head coach Sean Payton, Kobe Fleener as well. Uh, the Saints tied in uh, was very candid in his comments. I enjoyed that visit. And, uh, and I know some folks have some, some questions about Kobe and, and his new fit in the, in the grand scheme of things. And, and so I think that's going to be a, an evolving process and in a positive way. That'll do it for us on this Monday. A busy one as always. And uh, we'll hope you have a great rest of your day. I'm Sean Kelly. We'll see you next time right here on the Black and Blue Report.
0: Thanks for listening to this edition of the black and blue report presented by ABC insurance agencies, a better choice for insurance. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at noon central or at your convenience, exclusively online at pelicans.com and new Follow your teams direct
1: from the source, the black and blue report.